welcome to the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I'm your host, Nina, a New York City lawyer and former lobbyist who left my career in New York to discover my own definition of success. To me, that looked like time freedom, location freedom, and financial freedom. So I started a contract template shop online for entrepreneurs, started earning passive income, and took my life on the road traveling the world. Today, I help online entrepreneurs learn the legal side of business, like how to negotiate contracts, how to network, and how to protect your brand, but I also help busy business owners with tips and tricks I've learned along the way from marketing and sales online, which has earned me four times more in passive income than I've ever earned at a New York City firm. Tune in each week for trainings and talks about living life on your own terms to make your success non-negotiable. Let's get into today's conversation. Hey, and welcome back to the Non-Negotiable Success Show. I'm your host, Nina, a lawyer for content creators, and I've also been a content creator myself for the last six years. And in this podcast, I like to share savvy tips so you don't get screwed. And if you haven't been following the podcast for the last month or so, this is the Spooky Series. This is the fifth year I've been doing the Spooky Series. I started it in about 2019 when I first hard launched my contract template shop. Previous to that, I was selling contract templates one-off and I was working with creators, coaches, freelancers, agency owners one-on-one to help them with their contracts, forming their business and some trademarks. Um, However, it wasn't until November 11th, 2019 that I launched my signature best-selling bundle of contract templates, which is the Scale Your Biz Bundle. And on that date, 11-11-2019, it's it was like the start of a whole new era of my business. And um, as a celebration to lead up to that sale and as a marketing tactic to, you know, get people to really pay attention to what could be normally a, normally a um, pretty, why am I like stumbling on my words? Normally a pretty boring topic. I started what's called the spooky series where I share true stories based on case studies of what could really happen um, in order to give people a little gentle nudge to prioritize being proactive instead of reactive since unfortunately the law does not work retroactively. You cannot use a contract halfway through your relationship and claim that it started to take effect before you actually signed it. Contracts only work from the day they're signed onwards. Of course, you can, in some ways, there's a gray area, create a contract that you can say say works retroactively based on your past performance. But in general, the rule of thumb is that it doesn't work retroactively. It only works from the moment you sign it and the effective date onwards. And a lot of people I know in my case in particular, I've definitely been in the situation where I've just started to get work done and not really wanted to sign anything right away because you're so excited to actually do the work on the project and the collaboration or the client work or whatever it is. And you kind of think of the paperwork and the formalities as a step two or as an aside And I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of people get screwed over that way. And even me, myself, I've had situations happen where I worked with friends and I really wished that I had contracts set up from the get-go. But trust me, 
I've even had my own collaborations, my own joint ventures, my own profit sharing projects where I just like did not have the contract ready to go. And that's why I created the contract templates as a way to give you no excuse so that they're really easy to fill out. You just sit with it maybe anywhere from 30 minutes to one hour, one time to get it fixed up. And then maybe every once in a while you go back and you just audit it and make sure that it really reflects your boundaries and your policies depending on what you learn as you grow and experience new things, working with clients, working with collaborators, etc. This way, like I said, you can have no excuses and you can just get things done right away from the get-go. Boundaries are clear from the beginning of the relationship. You're not waiting around for the contract and there's no wishy-washy feelings, there's no muddled or blurred boundaries, and you can make sure that once work starts to be done, like people remember what they promised, what they agreed to, and you're not just working on verbal promises. So I started the Spooky series, like I said, five years ago at this point, as a way to um, you know, give you those gentle reminders because I don't like to just feel like I'm scaring everybody or making them feel really afraid of what can happen in the law all the time. My main goal as someone in this space who I think is a little bit of a modern lawyer or a more reformed legal practitioner is to empower people to make their own decisions and to understand what they're signing, understand what they're getting into so that they can make better decisions for themselves. Because let's be honest, like I don't want more work than I have to do either. I want enough money to live my life. I want to have a business that is lucrative and sustains itself, but by no means do I want people to totally need to rely on me for every single thing, every single time they have a question or every single time they want to update their contract I love teaching people about how to edit their own contracts using something that I've created from the beginning. Um, it's really important that you've got a contract that has been devised by a lawyer from the beginning, so at least you have something that you know will stand the test of time and also be something that has been um, interpreted and tested out and like it has a practical effect that... Um, reflects what you intended to write. So in other words, sometimes people think that they, if they're not lawyers, they think that their intentions are clearly reflected in the contract, but because of sentence structure or the way um, it's written and it's a technical writing, legal writing is very technical. If it's not totally grammatically correct, it could be vague, it could be open to interpretation. And that's what lawsuits really hinge on is the vagueness and getting clear to the intent of things. And that's something that unfortunately AI, ChatGPT has not mastered yet. And a lot of people who write their own contracts from scratch and do not use lawyers, um, they're really missing out. So there's a healthy degree of legalese that needs to be in there just as a matter of interpretation for clarity. Um, and then there's also what I like to do, which is write things in very plain English, write them in a clean font, not like a Times New Roman, um, and make it really easy for someone to understand and be able to explain to whoever else that they're going to get to sign it. So that is something that's really important to me. And I don't like to just scare people, but in the spooky series, that is something that we do in, in order to, you know, be festive and 
have an excuse to tell little ghost stories and stuff like that. So if you are new here, you could check out past episodes of the Spooky series from this year, and you can also go back to last year and any of the pre- previous years. Um, every October, I have my Spooky series, and um, in today's episode, I was going to share actually some words of wisdom that I learned from watching another creator on YouTube uh, discuss something that's been going on with Logan Paul, actually, and another situation that has happened with cast media. And I will explain a little bit of a background story as to both those situations, but I also want to give a shout out to Coffeezilla on YouTube. He's a creator who investigated these things from the beginning and there's no sense in recreating the wheel um, and giving credit where credit's due is important to me. So highly, highly, highly encourage you to go watch Coffeezilla on YouTube because he does some deep dives and investigative reporting into some scams, for lack of a better term, um, or alleged scams. And he told two stories recently that I think will really tie in nicely with everything I was saying about waiting too long to get a contract and everything I was saying about spooky stories, like real true case studies that can go wrong when you're working with friends or people you admire in business or when you just take things for granted and you're not legally protected from the get-go. So welcome to the fifth annual spooky series and let's get into today's topic. So getting into the first topic I wanted to discuss today, and this is something that I touched upon earlier in the episode, and that is what happens when you just start working right away and you don't have a written agreement formalized because you just trust the other person, you trust their brand name, you maybe have an opportunity to work with someone that you admire, that that is a bigger influence than you, someone that's very public-facing or a bigger brand. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone you worked with in the past. And so you just get started right away because you have this level of trust. And don't get me wrong, every single person who has something go wrong in their business starts with that same level of trust. So just because you say, oh, well, I trust so-and-so, or I trust this person, or they're my friend, or they're my sister, or they're my parent, or whatever it is, Every single person who ends up in a lawsuit still starts at that same level of trust. So you're no different. You're no special. And I'm happy if nothing ever does go wrong for you. But at the end of the day, the more and more experience you get in your business, the more you're going to see that these things are inevitable. So something had happened, and I'm not going to go into all of the details because like I said, CoffeeZilla did a really great three-part series that actually is still ongoing um, with follow-up videos on this topic is Logan Paul's NFT projects, in particular um, CryptoZoo. Apparently it was a game and it had involved you buying tokens, which then gave you an unhatched egg NFT, and then you hatch the egg, and then it becomes these animals, and then you play these games to mate these different animals and then get even more rare NFTs or however that works. I don't really know the details, but long story short, this is like a two-pronged scam. So number one, 
the project never officially launched and people had initially invested money into buying the tokens and the eggs um almost like a pre-launch for the game portion of it and then the game never came out and never really worked so there's people who are out hundreds of thousands of dollars um millions of dollars were promised to be returned by logan paul and he hasn't done that yet and there's just like a whole backstory on that which coffee is went to but in but in within that scam there was allegedly alleged scam in within that alleged you know project mess uh there was also a contract issue that became uncovered because logan had come on to his podcast impulsive and had mentioned that the reason that the game was never developed is because one of his developers hijacked the code and held it hostage and escaped to switzerland or something like that and did not ever finish the project so coffeezilla had actually reached out to the different companies that had engaged in the development and this is what their side of the story was um that they actually did the work and logan paul never paid and so at that point there was a team of i think 30 developers working under this person so they had no choice but to um, abandon the project there was another developer so there were several developers or several people who worked on the project and there was one person in particular that coffeezilla had interviewed who had mentioned that he wasn't paid either i don't think it was the same guy who said he who was accused of hijacking but he wasn't paid either and Kavizilla asked him flat out like well did you guys have a contract and he essentially said that it was just a verbal agreement and they started working and then whenever it came time for them to sign a paper agreement and something more formal Logan and his team kind of ghosted and flaked on them allegedly so there was never actually a signed agreement so this is something that happens even with some of the biggest creators in the world just a couple episodes I did a commentary on the Forbes 2023 top creator list and Logan Paul was one of the top 10 creators he is one of the creators that has the highest net worth that has the highest quote-unquote entrepreneurial score meaning business acumen and different projects going on and this is someone who still does not use contracts in his business and I'm not saying this for you to want to emulate him but I'm saying this as a cautionary tale as to what can happen when you you have these big creators that don't actually have like the proper business set up behind the scenes. It leaves a lot of room for not only sloppiness, right? Maybe it was a misunderstanding that the contract was never signed and there was, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But even if not, or even if he does get the benefit of the doubt, um, and and everything that Coffeezilla has uncovered in his three-part series and beyond is inaccurate, it gives a lot of room for allegations of fraud and distrust, and it gives a bad taste in people's mouth when they hear these stories, regardless of whether they're true. And that's just the court of public opinion. It's It's bittersweet that we have this culture where people can create content and they can come on the internet and they can share their side of the story and they can publish anything without having to go through traditional um, hurdles that are 
present in like traditional media. Like anyone can come out and tell their story. So if so many people are coming out and telling a story about a creator and a lot of it hinges on not having proper systems set up in your business, including contracts, including payment systems, including accounting, it leaves a lot of room for distrust. It leaves a lot of room for um, things to fall through the cracks. And it leaves a lot of room for people to smear your reputation if you do not have these things yourself. I was actually talking, I'm in a mastermind with some um, other business owners, and I was talking to one girl in particular who had mentioned that she's never, ever had, and she's grown her business to be very successful, um, a very successful coaching business, and she's never had any issues with clients or team members or anyone she's hired. She's never had any contract issues thus far, which is pretty rare and is a great testament to her character. And not saying that there's something wrong with you if you have had contract issues, but if you haven't had any, then it's probably a really good reflection on you as well, that you keep really good company around as well. But something that she said really resonated with her when I was you know, talking about um, how I can kind of like get my messaging across to those people like her who aren't really easily swayed by these kinds of spooky stories. Um, something we had talked about is relating to people from the viewpoint of you will look more professional, you will look more trustworthy, you will look more reliable if you do have these contracts, if you do have these proper systems set up. Just like for whatever reason, you believe that you will look more professional if you have professional photography, a professional looking website, if you have, you know, professional looking, uh, content or whatever it is, I'm not saying like suit and tie, I'm just saying you have a good camera quality, even if it's just your iPhone, you have a website that obviously is not DIY'd unless you're like very talented or made it look very clean, you know, where it's easily legible and it's easy to navigate and it's easier to read, just like you think that you will look more professional in that way or more trustworthy or you feel that it will be um, worth it for you to raise your rates if you have all of those other bells and whistles in your business. The same is true for your contracts. The same is true for having a business entity like an LLC. The same is true for having a trademark and the same is true for having that kind of integrity to back up what you're promising people with a written contract so that you're not just looking like someone from the cuff where you're making promises but then as soon as push comes to shove and you're looking uh, or you're being looked at to back them up you're not willing to sign the contract because that leaves a really bad taste in my mouth if i don't get a written agreement from someone I'm just not going to work with them. Why would I pay someone who isn't going to give me a written agreement? Why would I collaborate with someone who isn't going to um, want to sign something to put what we promised in writing so that we can both hold up our side of the bargain? And again, I understand that I have been in your shoes. Like I've just wanted to get started. I've just wanted to get the work done. I've been on tight timelines. I've worked with friends. I've done all those things. And there's been times that I haven't used contracts either. And just because I can get away scotch-free not using contracts sometimes with some people doesn't mean that that's a good habit to get into. And it doesn't 
really make me feel any better about my reputation. It makes me feel more more vulnerable because the chances of something happening negative negatively again if I don't use contracts are higher because you know it's only inevitable where if you constantly don't use contracts or constantly don't use contracts that are meant for your business or good for your business um, there's more likely than not going to be a time where it doesn't pan out um, and people don't deliver what was promised or people take advantage or someone gets confused even if it's not malicious um, and things just don't work out so at the end of the day it's really important that you know that it's an exception to the rule if you don't use contracts and things go well it's not the expectation and it's really important that you reduce that risk because why would you open up yourself to that kind of vulnerability if you don't have to if you have other options and why even if you're not going to um be motivated by fear and spooky stories why would you want to give anyone a reason to just make you think that you're that much less qualified or that much less professional or that much less trustworthy because even some of the biggest creators in the globe in the globe I don't know why I said globe even some of the biggest creators like people like Logan Paul who don't use contracts that left a really bad taste in people's mouths and made them decide not to work with them, even though for these smaller developers and they're not well known, you know, they're probably freelancers or maybe they work with an agency. I don't really know their situation, but they're obviously not as big as Logan Paul in terms of a brand name. If it made them not want to work with him, then what makes you think that they're going to want to work with, you know, anybody else who doesn't use contracts, right? If they're if they're going to be willing to forego millions of dollars and tons of brand goodwill by associating their name with a huge top 10 creator in the world because he doesn't use contracts, I mean, it only makes sense that they're that they're going to view you or your business as not being as reputable either, right? Because this is a person who does have a space on the top 10 creator list. He does have a four from Forbes as, as far as business acumen and entrepreneurship score. So that's the highest score you can get. And they're still not using contracts. That's a pretty low bar. And basically, it's something that will anyone who is truly a professional or truly about their business, not using contracts is something that maybe you know it might happen from time to time but it's something that is a big enough risk for people even if you don't see it as a big enough risk where it will have a negative connotation on your reputation more times than not and there might be some people who don't care but more likely than not even if people don't tell you or even if nothing goes wrong it's not going to add to your reputation. So that's my point there. And that wasn't really like me getting in the campfire and telling you the spooky story because I really do want you to go and watch CoffeeZilla's three-part series. I think they're like 20-minute, 10 to like 20-minute long YouTube videos. So it's not like you're going to have to spend three hours of your time. I put them on in the background yesterday while I was cooking dinner. And 
I thought it was really interesting, everything going on about um, about CryptoZoo because I had not heard about it up until this point, but I was really not shocked that it was a multi-layered scheme, allegedly, and there was verbal contracts that were involved instead of written contracts. I mean, that's a telltale sign at the start of any scam. <laughs> so there you have it. Basically, I was trying to beat around the bush and saying like, girl, like I hate to be the one to break it to you, but this is what the spooky season is about and this is what tough love is about. You're gonna look like a scam artist to some people if you don't use good contracts right and if that is not the right messaging if you're like wow you know like way to be harsh let me put it this way you will add to your reputation of being trustworthy and reliable if you do put in that extra care to have contracts and not only that the contracts are written in plain english they're easy to be understood there's something that um you can explain to the other person and it's clear what your intention is that will create a lot more trust and that will only expand opportunities for you in the future. That's like so often we get so caught up in being the most popular and being the biggest brand online and getting the most followers and having the most engagement and things like that. But I'm telling you that word of mouth referral is still a huge commodity and it's still the biggest way to grow your business. You don't even have to have an Instagram page to have a multiple seven figure business like you can be a million some of the most successful business owners i know are not on social media and neither is their business they just put in the work and have a good work ethic and good reputation because they are results driven and then that leads to word of mouth referrals so they don't even need to waste time or money on marketing like creating content because they just have really good results so you don't need to constantly be stuck in this content creation hamster wheel. If you feel like you are like I am now, I'm kind of abandoning that a little bit and I'm going to be doubling down on my work product because that will get me more in terms of um, needle moving activity and revenue generating activity rather than maybe putting out a couple of posts a week on Instagram. And I'm not saying it's not important, but I'm saying like we put this huge emphasis on being a big name in content creation because we think that that's what makes us very successful. But that also makes you more vulnerable to attack and more vulnerable to scrutiny and more vulnerable to be taken advantage of, especially if you aren't using things like legal protections and contracts and proper... Um, you know, business formation and shell companies and all those things that we could talk about another time in terms of how to really make sure that you're protected and your assets are protected. So focusing on your work product, for focusing on getting results and word of mouth referrals will get you so much further. And part of that is by, you know, showing up and being the best that you can be um, in terms of your your systems. And trust me, I'm someone who definitely needs help in that department as well. Maybe not with contracts in particular, but maybe with um, some kinds of client communications and having someone on my team that can you know, respond very quickly to people since it's mostly just me um, 
you know, talking to clients and being the client facing person. I don't have like a concierge or anything that would be helpful, but there's so many ways that you can really boost your reputation and boost your brand goodwill and having proper contracts is not going to hurt you. So just keep that in mind as a little cautionary tale. Even people like Logan Paul, one of the biggest creators on the planet, still sucks in many ways in terms of allegedly not using proper contracts and then not following through with promises that he's verbally made to people. So that's the first story that we're going to get to today. Now I'm going to shift gears and talk about another story. So the second story I wanted to talk about And this isn't something that necessarily has to do with contracts. I'm sure it does if I really got deep into it, but I wanted to just talk about this again, nodding to the original creator who investigated this, um, CoffeeZilla, but a separate topic not related to Logan Paul, is something that has happened with a agency that essentially grew too quickly. And I was a victim of an agency that grew too quickly as well. So I by no means have had this level of um, harm or injury or monetary um, damage to my business. But I do know the feeling of having someone make you so many promises and then not delivering on those promises. And that happened at a massive scale with cast media. So long story short, again, you can go watch the like 20-minute little documentary that CoffeeZilla did on this topic, but the story is still unfolding from what I understand. Um, Long story short, this guy, Colin, I think his name is, created this podcast agency, almost like a Dear Media, if you guys know of the Skinny Confidential podcast and um, all those podcasts that are under the Dear Media umbrella. Essentially, what a podcast agency does is they will help you with not only putting out your podcast, so probably editing and things like that, and like obviously managing the podcast, but they will also almost be a talent manager for your podcast. So they will help negotiate brand deals. They will be in charge of paying you out. And the way it works is they obviously get a cut for managing you. Um, and then they will deliver checks based off of how much they negotiated for you on behalf of the brand um, and it could depend on a lot of things. It could be like the agency as a whole um, and all of the talent underneath their umbrella might get the same brand deal and the fees will be distributed maybe depending on how much um, sale, how many sales came and were attributed to each podcast or it could be negotiated on a one-by-one basis where this particular podcaster gets this particular brand deal. Obviously, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat and it, there's not really one-size-fits-all approach. I'm not sure exactly how it worked here, but essentially how it worked was certain podcasts, if not all of them, were promised a monthly minimum in terms of how much they would get paid out if they decided to sign on with this particular agency, cast agency. And then they would obviously get commissions paid out from them for like, or they would get revenue paid out to them from the brand deals that they would get, not commissions, unless it was like an affiliate thing. I don't know exactly how it worked. Again, regardless, they're promised at least two separate amounts. One is like a monthly minimum, like flat fee, and then maybe some other money beyond that for some creators. And then some people might only be paid out like whatever 
they were paid out in terms of listener count for a certain ad or clicks for a certain ad if it was commission-based or something like that. So now the people who were signed to this podcast agency included podcasters and comedians like Theo Vaughn. I know there was another guy who I recently listened to on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. His name was Rob Rob Dial, I want to say his name was. I could be wrong, but he was another, I think he's like a business coach that um, has a podcast that was signed to cast media. And it started out where they were getting paid late. Then they were not getting paid at all. And every time they would ask for accounting, there would be an issue with the accounting. It was all done on a Google sheet. So this is your sign to get a real accountant and use QuickBooks or something. Like, yeah, I use a Google sheet, but I only have like a few contractors on my payroll, right? Like nobody's asking me for accounting except for my accountant to pay my taxes. Um, And that's still like a hot mess. QuickBooks would be way easier or having a CFO or a bookkeeper or an accountant like on your team in-house. Um would be ideal and would make sure that not only are you paying people on time, but also probably in charge of your invoicing to make sure you're paid on time. So this, you know, multi-million dollar agency was just using Google Sheets and it was like obviously all messed up. Every time they sent it out, there was differing amounts on how much people were supposed to be paid. They would always be confused about how much they were owed. And so the checks would never be right. And then eventually they stopped being paid altogether. And it came out that this agency was going to go bankrupt. When CoffeeZilla interviewed the founder of the podcast agency, it was still unclear why the money never came. And he had blamed, the creator of the agency had blamed the monthly minimums um, as a reason why he could not pay everybody, um, basically saying that their revenue, the amount that they were bringing in, did not exceed the amount that they had to pay out. So eventually they had to threaten or like they became on the verge of declaring bankruptcy. And in Copyzilla's video, he had discovered that this owner had, in the same year he stopped paying everybody, bought a house for one point, let's say it was like 1.7 or 1.8 million dollars and put it into a separate LLC trust where it was an asset that was protected from the business. So in other words, he had shielded that asset so that if anyone came after his business or if he did have to declare bankruptcy, creditors, meaning the podcasters that were owed money, they would be creditors because they would have money that's owed to them. That's a creditor. Um, anyone who sued the company and had a judgment against them, they might be a judgment creditor. If they had other unpaid bills, um, you know, let's say he didn't pay team members or something like that, they might be creditors. There's a bunch of different creditors. And when you file bankruptcy, they all get like kind of put into one pool. And the bankruptcy bankruptcy court appoints a trustee who is one person appointed by the court who basically like 
helps all of the creditors and the person or company who's declaring bankruptcy kind of like negotiate how much they're all getting paid and blah, blah, blah. And you might get paid pennies on the dollar. It's a whole big thing. And that's really just a very, very, very basic, very basic um, description of what bankruptcy is. There's also all these different types of chapter 11, chapter seven, blah, blah, blah. But in any event, if he were to shield this asset, then there would be no way for the creditors to be able to come after that income, especially if it was misappropriated from the business. So let's say he took that $1.7 million directly from the business and put the house in his own name. There might still be a way if the court or if, you know, if the court found that maybe he misappropriated those funds and pierced what's called the corporate veil that usually shields your personal assets from your business assets, if they found that he took that money directly from the business and bought it in his own name um, in a way that wasn't um, you know, kosher, then it could be that that house would be an asset that would be put into the bankruptcy trust and you know, he could have a lien on his house or he could get his house taken away from him. Again, this is all just like, very, very, very basic descriptions of what could happen. And by no means do I know the exact facts of this case um, because it happened. It so happened that he didn't actually go into bankruptcy, I think. Um, he negotiated with this other podcast company, Podcast One, that bought them out, which I'll get into in a minute. In any event, he then put, instead of putting it in his own name, he put it in this other trust. And the law firm that helped him set up that trust in a different, you know, company name specializes in shielding your assets from creditors. So obviously there's some speculation there that he had misappropriated funds from the business, put it into his own name, and then realized like, oh shit, I kind of stole, for lack of a better term, stole this money from the business so then he put it in his own separate trust uh with the help of lawyers who aren't as like you know ethical for lack of a better term uh and he shielded it so he kind of got away with it right and that's all very surface level at this point because it's only now being investigated I don't know if there will be criminal action taken against him, if there's a white-collar crime or an economic crime that has been committed. I don't know for sure if he's misappropriated the funds. We don't know all of the facts. This is all at the very beginning stages of coming out in the media. And um, essentially what had happened is, like I was mentioning earlier, he got another company to essentially buy out cast media and I think it was called podcast one or something like that and I believe that there's still issues with that where creators are still not getting paid and a lot of creators have come out and called out this guy by name saying he stole money from them and some of them have threatened to sue and others of them have said it's not worth the energetic investment to sue which I totally can relate to and understand and so it's still a developing story but really at the end of the day, the whole reason I wanted to bring this up to begin with is number one, to kind of like haphazardly give you a little bit of education about the bankruptcy process. And I worked in bankruptcy law for like a year right after graduation. And I was, um, it was mostly like foreclosure law and people filing bankruptcy to stop getting their houses foreclosed upon. 
Um, I worked in that for like six months, probably six months actually, um, right after graduating law school before I got my job at the lobbying firm. But basically, uh, there's a lot of ways that you can use bankruptcy to your advantage instead of just looking at bankruptcy as a negative thing. Um, and I could bring on someone to talk more about that if you want. My One of my really good friends and first mentors, um, she is very experienced in bankruptcy law and she would know more than I do about everything I just talked about. That was like my very basic bird's eye view understanding of this case and basic, basic, basic um, facts about bankruptcy in general and how it could plan out in a business sense, especially if it's someone using bankruptcy in a nefarious way, and you know. So um, I wanted to bring it up for that reason. And I also wanted to bring it up because I know what it's like to work with people who are not necessarily malicious, but they grow too quickly and they make too many promises. And it ends up harming you if you're a client of theirs or a, a contractor of theirs or an employee of theirs because they grew too fast, they scaled too quickly, they overpromised, they underdelivered, they took out way too many obligations and financial commitments than they could really uphold in terms of you know delivering on their promises. And I've seen this a lot. Like as a lawyer for people in this industry, I've seen people come to me and tell me about all of the commitments they've made all of the contracts they've signed that they're obligated to pay, all of the loans they've taken out and things that they've done. And they might go on social media and say that they've made X amount of dollars. But even if they make $100,000 a month or a million dollars a year, that, that doesn't mean that they're financially healthy if their debts or their obligations exceed that amount. And so when you are starting to work with people or if you're hearing someone promise you the world or if you're thinking about signing on with someone or taking on a client or entering into a contract with someone, I really want you to ask them what other obligations do they have at that point? Because I've seen it a lot. I've seen it with someone who was a notorious um, person who was a ghost on contracts. Uh, a few years back, a lot of people came to me about the same person signing contracts with them all in like the month of January or within two months of each other and within a month of her signing up to have an LLC and then by April like let's say that was January then by April she was defaulting on every payment and so many people were going after her for money and had they all known from the beginning that all of these commitments were being taken out at once they would maybe have the foresight to know not to go into a contract with this person or to expect them to pay because their obligations were so high. Like, you cannot take out, you know, that's like me taking out a mortgage and buying a new car and going and buying a second home and going and paying, like, you know, $10,000 for a vacation and doing this and doing that. Like, all in one time, just stretching myself too thin something's going to give and even if I have the best intentions and even if I work super hard I don't know what the future will bring and maybe three months from then I might not be able to pay everything right so that's essentially what happened here with this guy he started out with really good intentions he started out with a really positive mission that was focused on giving creators independence and being almost like a collective bargainer for all of these comedians and getting them really good brand deals and hopefully making them more money than they ever had before 
but he overpromised by giving these people the promise of the monthly amounts, the monthly minimums, and bringing on new talent with these promises to boost the value and the reputation of his company. And then all of the creators who previously signed up, they weren't getting paid. It was almost like borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, you know, how they like kind of describe a Ponzi scheme. Not exactly, but to the same kind of, um, you know, sense of that. Like you're, you're kind of like always recruiting new people. And then the people who you recruited previously, you're going to stop paying them first and you're going to pay the new people so that they don't really catch on to the quote unquote scam yet. Uh, even if you don't mean it to be a scam or even if you think, okay, well, I am going to pay those people eventually. I just don't have it this month. The best things can fall apart with, you know, the best intentions can still fall apart. And even like someone who has everything planned out to a T might go wrong. So I think that's something that I really want to see less of in the online space. I see a lot of people making money and they're making a lot of money maybe very quickly and then they're taking out all these obligations and and then they're in over their head. They stop paying something and it's easy for you to justify not paying something because you're like, oh, it's online or, you know, they live over there or that's a company that's overseas. It doesn't make it any less legitimate if you have a contract with them or a promise to them and... Also, just because you make money today or in this economy doesn't mean that a year from now you'll still be making the same amount. Like, obviously, we all hope that exponential growth occurs and that we constantly make more money in a linear way. But the nature of this online industry and online marketing and with everything that has just been so unpredictable between the pandemic and then the recession and now impending war, like, the economy is going up and down and online business is like one of the first things to kind of see things tank and rise and tank and rise depending on the trends. Like it's not a really long-standing established business industry yet that is going to have the same level of growth. I mean, look at what happened to Netflix and Zoom and all these other companies. Look at WeWork, all these other uh, you know, popular companies from the 2010s that then became like overvalued and even companies, I don't know if Zoom is the same category as Netflix, but even Netflix had this like huge valuation during the pandemic. And then all of a sudden it kind of plummeted a little bit because that doesn't mean that it's not a valuable company, but it means that it was overvalued at one point. And to the same you know, notion like online business is still a new industry. It could have been a little bit overvalued back when everybody was making money from 2018 to 2021. Everybody thought this was a gold rush. Everybody was making money because everybody was coming online. Now things are kind of evening out and people are really seeing it start to stabilize a little bit. And people that were making a fuck ton of money a couple of years ago are not making the same money that they were a couple of years ago. So if you took out contracts or you took out obligations or loans or whatever a couple of years ago that you are not in a stable position to pay now, it can really harm not only your company, but all the people that you're not paying or that you're promising to pay and not delivering on, whether you mean to screw them over or not. It has a trickle-down effect. And that's something that we saw with this podcast one cast media 
Theo Vaughn situation. Um, and I've seen it on a micro scale with some of the creators and agency owners that I've worked with and um, also some of my clients who have been victims of other people not paying because they grew too quickly, were overvalued, took out all these contracts, and then didn't pay. It had a really widespread effect. Just one person, one random chick from like fucking Wisconsin had a huge impact of tens of thousands of dollars on a few of my different clients. So if that, if one person can like screw over at least five different people that I know of, then how can this how can this happen on like such a bigger scale with a company like Cast Media, right? It's just it's just so weird how like there really is a butterfly effect in the world, and so I just want you to be conscious of not only your actions, but be skeptical of the people who you're seeing kind of blowing up all at once and buying a whole bunch of new things at once, just maybe be a little bit more picky about whose money you're going to take or who you're going to get into contract with because just because they could pay you today doesn't mean that they're going to keep paying you every single month on time or in full and that might have a big cost in terms of opportunity cost, meaning your opportunity to work with other people and take on full paying clients um, and people who maybe aren't as quote unquote popular or big, but at least they have some kind of steady income that they can pay you because they're not like scaling or trying to grow massively and then getting themselves into hot water because they're in over their heads with how much money they owe and funneling money from their business directly into their personal accounts, buying new homes and living beyond their means before they have an established company with like years of accounting that show that they are making a reliable amount of money. So there you have it. Those are my like two random rants based on videos that I watched from CoffeeZilla yesterday. So this was kind of like a spur of the moment unscripted podcast. And I know I talked a lot about different legal topics than just contracts in here. Like I said, I very, very briefly touched on bankruptcy law in a very like butchered way and also trust and estates law by mentioning that that guy put his house in a trust. Um, and I'm happy to talk more about those topics. If you want me to, just let me know. Um, I might have to also recruit some of my friends and colleagues to come in and talk more about those topics if you are interested. Because while I do have a general understanding about trust and estate law and bankruptcy law, um, it's not my main focus. My main focus is in contract law and in intellectual property. So I'm happy to talk more about the benefits of using trusts and the benefits of um, bankruptcy or pros and cons and things like that, just to give you a little bit more of a holistic understanding about your options in business. I don't want you to feel like you're left with no options if you feel like you're the one in the situation where your income is unpredictable and you're in over your head and things like that. I want you to feel prepared and educated. Um, and I also want you to spot the red flags, even if someone isn't mean or cruel or a nightmare person on purpose, they might inadvertently screw you over. And I just want you to see those signs and avoid it. So make sure you're always using contracts and make sure you're not getting into contracts with people who have way too much going on at once, because those are the people who are going to accidentally screw you over and maybe in a big way, because you get like heartbroken about it too. You, you know, think because they're promising you the world, you, you have all these expectations and they don't pan out. So 
that's it for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed it and I'll be back in a couple days with the next one. Bye.